Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I wanted to talk a little bit about the the White Sox offseason and what they're doing. It's so funny, as I'm taping this, the White Sox are literally calling me to ask about my season tickets, and I still haven't made a decision on whether or not I'm going to re-up with the White Sox. It doesn't really have anything to do with free agency. They can do whatever it is they want to do, and I've talked about this before on the podcast I'm just trying to get the best bang for my buck as far as how many games I go to. And I guess maybe it does play a role in what type of team we're talking about for for 2020. But I, I am trying to change a couple things that I do from a seat standpoint. But I wanted to talk about their offseason. And, and as we're recording this, nothing's happening. I'm doing this on Wednesday morning. Nothing's happened yet other than the Nomar Mazzara trade trade for Steel Walker. So Nomar Mazzara is now a White Sox, and I figured that they would do something like this. I thought that there would be like a replacement level or average major league player that they're going to put into right field, and that's what they've done. A guy, if you look at his OPS, it is completely average. I think it's 754 career, which is like right on the line of what an average player's OPS is. He does have power, as Hawk Harrelson would say, canyon power. Congratulations to Hawk Harrelson for the for winning the Ford Frick Award and getting himself into the Hall of Fame. I know that was a lifelong dream for him, and I'm I'm happy for him that he got that opportunity to see that happen. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of stories and coverage as Hawk makes his way to Cooperstown. There'll be some sort of tour, I imagine. And Sox Fest will be very fun with Hawkeroo talking about going to the Hall of Fame. Now back to the baseball. I thought it would be, you know, like a Curtis Granderson type. I'm I was holding out hope that they would look at, at Castellanos and say, yeah, that's the type of guy that not only we need in our lineup, but it's another guy that I think would make a lot of sense inside their clubhouse. And they they haven't, as of this recording. Looking at Mazzaro, I see a guy that's a splits guy. I see a guy that you play every day against right-handers and you put on the bench against left-handers, which means that they have to find someone who's a reverse split guy. Well, not a reverse split guy, but the reverse split of Mazzaro. They need someone who's good against lefties, to to play that position on days where lefties are on the mound. He's slow. He's not a good defender. He can hit for average a little bit, hits too many ground balls, and hasn't fulfilled his potential. I'm not that angry about it, to tell you the truth. You have two years of control on a player who's 24 years old. I don't hold out a ton of hope of him figuring some of these things out, but I do have some that maybe the White Sox can get a little bit of a better version, but I I do think that if you're going to do that, the way to do it is to have him pitch against, have him hit against right-handed pitchers. And that's pretty much it. Because in Texas, they really weren't allowing him to do that all that much towards the end of his tenure in Texas. I need them to go and advance on the starting pitching aspect of this. And I had a conversation with Matt Spiegel on the radio show. We had a good time really talking about a lot of stuff baseball-wise in Chicago, but particularly talking about the White Sox and their rotation. 
So one of the things that the way that I feel about all of this with the adding to the rotation, yes, you're going to get Kopech back, but he's probably going to be on an innings limit. Yes, you're going to get Rodon back, but that's not until July, August, and obviously he's going to be on an innings limit. There need to be people who are filling out your rotation, and I would prefer that the White Sox not just fill out their rotation, that they not just look for replacement-level pitching. There's still some solid pitching that is out there and available to the White Sox whether it's Hinjin Ryu or Madison Bumgarner or even Dallas Keuchel. I personally don't want to see them go very long on the deals, and you might have to. I mean, maybe it is one year extra that you don't want to go on Keuchel or or on Bumgarner, but they need to have some sort of starting pitching in place because had they had representative starting pitching in place, I feel like the 2019 season may have gone differently. More on, on those two guys in a second. I want to go back to the top of the, the White Sox rotation and theoretically Reynaldo Lopez and all of that stuff that you see but you can't hold on to at the bottom of their rotation. Lucas Giolito last year was amazing. And the turnaround that he had from being the worst pitcher in baseball in 2018 to one of the best pitchers in baseball and finishing six inside young going to the all-star game. It was really, really impressive. You look at his numbers. He made all his starts last year. He threw three complete games, put an asterisk on one of them. That five inning brain shortened complete game that even he laughs at Threw two shutouts last year, gave you 180 innings or whatever it was, did all the right stuff. Didn't walk a ton of people and struck out 228. That's a great season. I have questions on whether or not he can duplicate that. And I don't think that it's a matter of him. I don't see him falling off the table to 2018 levels. But I am worried if you don't have him at that level and you don't fill out the rest of the spots in your rotation with guys who are better than average, that you could be in a worse position if you're the White Sox. So I asked Matt Spiegel about his level of faith and belief that what we saw from Giolito wasn't one of these one-year hiccups where the guy puts it together. Here's his explanation for why he doesn't think that's the case. Because the totality in which he thinks about his craft I mean, the, the transformation, I had more fun talking about and thinking about and learning from his transformation than any pitcher in a long, long time. Wow. Because there were so many layers to it, right? He changed mechanically. He changed his foot position. Uh, he changed his thought process. Um, he changed his sequence. And he changed what he used. He threw, what, 600 sinking fastballs two years ago and zero Zero this past year. Like his willingness to change that much of it. And it's not like his fastball was as good as it was at the peak of his powers. And it didn't need to be because his sequencing is so smart. And we found it. He figured it out with the tunneling, that change up 
and the fastball coming out of that, the four seam fastball coming out of the same spot. So, yeah, and and just the the care. I mean, pitchers have to be their own CEOs, right? And he is a he really really good CEO. I'm not getting what I need here. I'm going to go talk to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. Oh, and oh, by the way, the brain canics that I didn't even mention, like the neural feedback that he started doing, and he turned Dylan Cease onto. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big time believer in Giolito because the thing is, the stuff is there. On top of everything else, it wasn't just smoke and mirrors. It was the stuff is there, but we've seen the Astros do this again. There's the cheating, but we've seen uh, we've seen uh, other teams, you know, perfect. Okay, only throw these two things. Stop doing what you're doing. He did that on his own, not with Coop. Excellent analysis by Speegs, as per usual. You can check him out, by the way, on Hit and Run and on Inside the Clubhouse, talking baseball and breaking it down. I know the work that Giolito put in. Him and James McCann worked really hard. He developed that parachute changeup that he was using. And he was he was throwing fastball changeups a lot last year. And then you saw him get creative, add more things back into his repertoire. But the tunneling aspect of making the fastball and the changeup look the same coming out of his hands was the big thing that they were looking for for the White Sox. And I'm glad that he got that whole thing figured out. I do still have concerns, and I it's I, it's not completely fair to Lucas considering how much joy he brought me in 2019, but I still have questions, and I hope that career-wise he's turned the corner, and now you're going to see the best version of him. Which brings me back to the rest of the rotation. And again, as I'm recording this, Nothing's happened, and maybe this is obsolete by the time that you get a chance to hear it. But I also talked with Speegs about what else they can do, and he offered some really interesting suggestions about filling out the rotation with players that with pitchers that maybe you're not really thinking of, along with the guys that I mentioned before Keiko, Ryu, and Bumgarner. I do need them to be. The moves that they make in their rotation need to be significant. You don't need to go and get Garrett Cole, although that would be fine if they wanted to do that. But I feel like two starters, two high-quality starters is what you need. Ryu, to me, makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I mean, that's a guy that was, was right there for Cy Young for a big portion of the season. He finished second to DeGrom you know, for like, Cy Young. He, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball for about four months. Absolutely. And then if you want to mix and match Keiko and God, if someone gives Keiko more than three, I'd be. Yeah. Uh, but the Homer Bailey thing is kind of interesting where you're saying, okay, Homer, go start 28 games. Sure. For us. And he will. And, and, and he will. And they'll probably, and, and I mean, it's like post, post, post sleeper, right? And like all these different things. But you look at his numbers, his peripherals, especially second half of last year, and it was pretty impressive. Here's the other thing about Giolito. He adjusted that first game when he, when he found the dominance. He, out of 105 pitches, 101 of them were fastballs or changeup. 101 of them. But then as the starts kept going, he started mixing in the curve more, started mixing in the slider more. So it's not like he just stopped and found his one thing as they adjusted to him and word got out. He, he pushed ad- back. Exactly. Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. That's a that's probably the right answer. I just I feel like there's something there, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, well, he I don't know if he does either. I hope he has a terrific off season and is his own CEO in the same way. Gets some help in thinking about it. Um, finds people that he trusts in thinking about it, and because clearly the stuff is there, but some things are not connecting, and some of it is some of it is mental. He was very volatile emotionally and there were times where he revved it up emotionally and would be dominant and mm-hmm. then there were times where the you know the numbers seemed to get the best of him or that one bad inning would get the best of him so he's uh, he's got some some maturing to do before i let you go i'm going to ask you to look into the future okay do you suspect in the year 2000 do you suspect that in the year 2000 <laughs> that the cubs We'll walk away with the winter meeting having gotten a Chris Bryant deal done. No. From the winter meetings in terms of this week, now they're frozen because of the grievance. So they're waiting on that. Yep. You got, what, two more weeks or so? I, who knows? They thought it would be done by now. I thought it would be, too. And it's, it's, very, it's unfortunate that it's not done by now. So, But it could be three weeks. Do you feel that the White Sox will walk away with significant starting pitching help by the time free agency is over. Yes. Yes, I do. And they if you would ask me whether it's going to happen this week, I would lean towards yes from some of the folks that I've talked to. That yeah, they're they're very active just as they were with Wheeler trying to close on their target and get him. Um I I appreciate the the direct and forthright aggression that they are having this offseason. And I thought there was absolutely no downside to the world knowing that they offered more for Zach Wheeler and his family chose to be eased. Who cares? Who cares? Come on, man. If you, if you think it's good, it, was it good that they went out and they got Grandal and the world knew? I think, that, I think it was great. Not why? good. It was great. And, and, and PR-wise, was it good? Absolutely. That the world knew that they chose their guy, they went and they bid the most and they got him. But I feel like So what's, that, wrong, what's wrong? That, what's what's the like difference? That did the, the job for you. The White Sox are open for business and they are willing to overpay for the right people. They'd never done it for pitching. They hadn't shown the world that they would do it for pitching. It just seems so... It's, it seems Look, so petty. It, 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 is it an overcorrection based on what happened last year? Maybe. But, man, I blasted them harder than anybody after the Machado miss because of the arbitrary line in the sand that they threw with the $50 million. And didn't you think that some if they missed on Wheeler that there was something, well, they had incentives on the back end or he didn't yes. bet on himself. Didn't you think that yes. there was something I, like that? 100% I that, did. That we went and got your cousin and then we want you to be comfortable. Maybe they should have signed his fiance <laughs> and then maybe he would no, be pitching but here. I think the world now assumes that the White Sox tried to do it on their terms in free agency and they needed to make it clear that that's not the case. Okay, but this means that if you were able to go up and give extra dollars to Zach Wheeler, you better find some money for that pitching that you desperately need. As I told Speaks, that that Homer Bailey thing is kind of interesting. Go go eat twenty eight games. Go go throw one hundred and eighty innings. If they could just get some representative pitching, I don't want this this White Sox offseason to only be hey they got Yasmani Grandal and Hawk got into the Hall of Fame. There needs to be more. And we'll see what happens. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Big thanks to Matt Spiegel. We had a great, great baseball conversation. And if you want to listen to the entire thing, it's up on the show's podcast for for Tuesday. It's really good stuff. 
hopefully he's right about Giolito. Hopefully he's right about what he's hearing that the White Sox are going to make some things happen sooner rather than later on the pitching front. It'd be great if they did. And if they do, I have another podcast for you. Thanks for listening.